I just want to start off by saying that, you know, I collect notes throughout the week and I, I title them, you know, BDYST mm-hmm. and then whatever episode it is and they just live in my notes and then I forward them all to my laptop and then whatever. And so I have one note that has no link. Okay. And it has no other notes. <laughs> okay. Except the words uh-huh. Gary Zone. Okay. <laughs> Gary Zone. And I have no idea what that is. You don't know what Gary Zone is? Do you? No. I want to know. That's what I'm saying. You can't deprive me of this. Dude, I have no idea. <laughs> it sounds super interesting, but I my past self did not set me up for success. The Gary Zone. <laughs> yeah, I Googled it and I just found a white pages listing for a guy named Gary Zone. I looked it up on Twitter. And there is a tweet from March 2015 that says, do not visit the Gary Zone. I guess we're never going to know. All right. Can I share a dumb video with you? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, It is a two-minute video, but you need to watch at least most of it. <laughs> this is a review of a a review, quote unquote, of a water cooler, like an office water cooler. Do you guys have one of those at the office? You don't, do you? Yes, we do. Okay. We have one at the office and I have one at my house. Hey, well, this one is a smart water cooler and this guy, you can tell, loves it. Please, please watch his, his video. A review of the Ion water cooler. To use the unit, insert glass and restart unit. Wow. Wow how easy that is. This clears the fan air. Wow. This makes sense because you can only reset a software error with a power cycle. <laughs> Let your water system boot. Wow. Booting is fun to watch. Use this time to dream about mildly carbonated water. After setup is complete, wait for a setup to complete. <laughs> After setup is complete, wait for setup to complete. <laughs> Such shade. I just wanted you to see that because smart technology is on the rise, man. And it's bad. Some of it's real bad. Dude, he hates that so much. That is affecting his work life so bad. <laughs> yeah, he really wants you to know how terrible it is. He is so upset. I feel like this is this is starting to be a real thing, though. It's like all these smart products that just never needed to be smart to begin with. Yes. A water cooler, man. Just a water cooler. All it needs to do is give you water. Why do you need to turn it into something more than that? Really unnecessary, I promise you. And that probably costs a lot of money. I don't know. I feel like I feel like you're the person that would want a smart water cooler. I love smart stuff, but I hate dumb smart stuff. And that's the thing, is like I guess if if someone really amazing came out with a water cooler, but like what does a water cooler need? If it just gives you the option of having carbonated water or non carbonated water, I think that you could have just done that with like two buttons instead of a whole Menu. menu. Yeah. yeah. And like menus, man, menus, they're they're harder than they look. People fail at making those good all the time. Menus. Actually, can I show you another thing that has to do with the same thing? Yeah, go for it. The title of the thread is, I am being forced by my husband of three years to file bug reports? What? Question mark, question mark. <laughs> my husband is an engineer and we and we've been together for three years. And bought a house together last year. He's always been a tinkerer, and I've been fine with it, but lately it has gotten out of hand. It started with a smart lock. I don't know why <laughs> a regular lock wasn't fine. We live in a safe neighborhood on the seventh floor in an apartment. I don't think I've ever worried about a break-in. 
But now I need to pull out my phone to unlock the door instead of my keys, and the app is buggy and crashing constantly. He tells me how much better it is because we can remotely unlock our doors. (laughs) (laughs) Why would I ever need to do that? I love that. When the battery runs out, I have to end up using the key anyways, so I don't get the point of this thing. But fine, I've lived with it. There's so much passive-aggressive tension. A lot. Next came the smart TV. It never worked. It was connected to some type of raspberry thing. (laughs) Raspberry (laughs) Pi. Every time I would ask him to help, he got frustrated with me as if I had done something wrong. I've since just given up and just watched Netflix on my iPad, which he hates for some reason. (laughs) Next, he installed smart light bulbs in the house so we can set them using our phones. Except... I have an iPhone, and he bought some brand that only works with Android, and he has to spend hours manually configuring them all the time. I don't know why he didn't just go with a brand that works with iPhones, but he said that he doesn't trust them. <laughs> I told I told him, as long as I could turn the lights off <laughs> with the wall switch, I'm happy. But now those don't even work anymore. I am literally sitting at home in the dark, calling him so we can turn the lights on for me. <laughs> he keeps telling me I should get an Android so I can use the app, but I don't want to lose my iPhone. Last week, he told me I can't call him anymore when I'm having problems with the tech throughout the house. And I have to file a bug report on some Git website. (laughs) I told him I refused to have to fill out some online form just to get the lights working, but he refuses to listen to me. I don't know what to do. (laughs) At my wit's end, I've tried reasoning with him, but he's convinced this is a better way. I don't know how much longer I can stay. Oh, my gosh. My husband has gone home automation crazy and won't let me just turn the lights on with the switch. How do I get him to stop? Uh, Yeah, this is the problem of smart technology, isn't it? You know what? I know people that would do that to their wives. I know. You have to to file a bug report. Yeah. I saw a tweet earlier this week from somebody who was testing out a smart lock and was like just trying it out for the first time. And they had set it up to do all the weird things that it can do, like automatically unlock when you come home and automatically lock 15 minutes after you walk out or like five minutes after you walk out of the house and like that kind of stuff. One morning she walked out of the house to like check the mail and walk back up to the door and it had locked on her. No! <laughs> and she was in like a bathrobe and had no keys or phone or anything like that. It had to climb back in through her window to get back in the house. So smart locks. You got to keep a key. The secret is keep a key hidden somewhere outside. That still works because sooner or later that thing's going to fail and you're going to be totally screwed. The weird thing about all smart technology right now is that's the truth. I read an article recently. Ah, uh, this is this is the <laughs> kind of stuff I love to see from you. Exactly. <laughs> it's been a while. It's yeah. been a while since you've sent me nah, this. I got I got the the evil the evil world angle going. You love that. All these articles coming out about how these Internet of Things pieces of technology are built on like terrible systems that are super easy to hack. So we have all these weird little things in our home, smart water coolers, smart lights, smart da-da-da, and they're all computers. And because they're all computers connected to the internet, they are all hackable. And they're not hackable necessarily to like mess with you, but they're hackable to mess with the world. And a lot of them are being turned into what's basically robot armies of computers that can do weird things like DDoS attacks. Because, hey, they're a computer that's available, 
and they're connected to the internet and very easy to get a hold of, and they're always on. That's a nice thing about these, you know? Yeah. A computer, hey, you turn that off when you're done with it. But a light bulb, you keep connected to the internet forever because you want it to be able to turn on and off whenever you want it to. So seriously, like, not to go down this this serious road, but this is literally why (laughs) I only use uh, HomeKit, because HomeKit's, like, crazy secure, and nothing can really like get to it very easily. I think there's been like one vulnerability that they like shored up really quickly. But these other ones, man, like that smart water cooler, there's no way that they've protected it and kept it, you know, secure and yeah, really, of course, really good. Of course. So if someone wants to hack that thing, boy howdy, can they ever do that very easily? Good times. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard boy howdy, can they ever hack that? <laughs> well, hey, now you have. Uh. All right, send me some. <sighs> So we like to, we really love to follow up on past stories here. Mm-hmm. So, bro, did you see that they announced who they cast as Pikachu? <laughs> yes, okay. All right. So I read this, but I immediately kept my mind from learning anything about it because I knew that this was <laughs> a moment that needed to be recorded. So let's talk about this. Detective Pikachu is... Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> oh, man. Not The Rock. No, not The Rock. I totally thought he was going to be The Rock. Not uh, Mark Wahlberg. Not Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> not Hugh Jackman. Not Hugh Jackman. Not Vin Diesel. No, no. It is Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. And I love, I love the way that people are reporting it, like Wall Street Journal or uh, New York Times or, you know, any of these, like, <laughs> publications that are, are so studious. Yes. They have to report on this dumb story. <laughs> <laughs> Pikachu is a species of Pokemon. Uh-huh. While Detective Pikachu, the character, is a peculiar sort mm-hmm. from the Pikachu set. Yes. Very true. A self-styled investigator who is good at finding things. Reynolds will portray the detective. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so stupid. The story is kicked into gear when Smith's character, uh, I guess there's another, they cast like a, a human lead. Okay. The story is kicked into gear when Smith's character's father is kidnapped, forcing the teen to team up with Pikachu in order to find him. Newton will play a sassy journalist who helps them on their quest. Sassy. The role, the role is said to be motion capture in nature, sources say. We got Ryan Reynolds, who, I mean, he doesn't really do voices, right? Uh, I feel like he's done voices. I mean, he plays Deadpool. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a voice role. <laughs> yes, that, that's see, a voice role. You can't see role, his face. But that's not like, uh, he doesn't do an impersonation. He doesn't do character voices. He kind of just makes the Ryan Reynolds voice. Right? Yeah, sure. Every character that Ryan Reynolds plays is Ryan Reynolds. Fair. Pikachu is either going to be a big stretch or he's just going to be Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu. You know? I don't like it. <laughs> I, I feel like I can't have any feelings about Detective Pikachu until I actually see like a trailer for it because I, I can't imagine what in the world this is actually going to look like. Like, I don't know. I don't know what this project is going to take shape as. Do you? <laughs> no idea. Yeah. I mean, they're, it's live action mixed with animation. Right. And this is the, like, the there's, like, some footage of Detective Pikachu from the video game, like, commercials. Right. But that's not. So, I don't know, bro. I feel like he's going to look like that. Pikachu with a hat. Yeah, literally. <laughs> I guess. But, I mean, it's like... 
what's the world going to be like? What's the setting? What's the tone? Is this going to be like super lighthearted for children? Is this going to be like for all ages? Are we pulling a Groot here? Like, I don't know what the heck is happening. Is this Guardians of the Galaxy level? Like, weird but serious? Like, I have no idea how they're going to make this happen into a feature film. It's so confusing. It's very confusing. I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't either. But we will find out, I guess. Yeah. Yes, we will. (laughs) And Ryan Reynolds will play the lead, I guess. Yes. Yes, they will. Is there ever, has there been a case of this happening where like a really iconic character has been cast like this? I guess so. They did a Dragon Ball Z movie and that was weird tonally to figure out how to Uh, translate an anime. Yeah, that was that's a bad example of it. <laughs> you say that like this is not potentially a bad well, example as well. And then well. there's like Disney who just has to figure out how do we translate Beauty and the Beast into live action. And- Those have been fine though. Those haven't really like been so uh, uh so horrendous. So you know, whether you like the movie or not, the castings have all been like, yeah, that's fine. That's, you know, no problem. Is there anything though that would deter you from seeing it? No. Because we already know it might be, like, the worst movie ever. Yeah, no, I think I have to. I think you have to experience it, no matter if it's a train wreck or, like, a masterpiece. You just need to see it in the flesh. Okay, all right. No, I think I'll be around. Well, piggybacking off of um, Guardians of the Galaxy, Mm -hmm. bro, did you see this? And I give this to you not because I know you probably don't care about it, Mm -hmm. but I am curious, because of your lack of like knowledge of comic movies because you don't really care for the superhero genre as much. I'm curious what you think about this trailer. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles that they never could. This is the trailer for Infinity War, and this is like the big movie for Marvel, right? It's like yes. really the first movie where everyone comes together, right? Yeah, it's the culmination of like the past 20 movies. Yeah, because I didn't watch the last, the Civil War movie, mm-hmm. right? That was Captain America Civil War. But that movie had, is it, was that really just Avengers in the movie or were there people, were there people from other movies in Civil War? Nah, it was pretty much Avengers. Okay, because there was, there was the Avengers movie and then there was Age of Ultron and then there was a bunch of movies and then there was Civil War and then there was a bunch more movies and then there's Infinity War. Right? Yes. Okay. Yep. And yeah, it's it was funny watching this trailer because I've seen almost none of these. I saw <laughs> Doctor Strange, which I thought was cool. Okay. And I saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which I thought was cool. And I saw Ant-Man, mm-hmm. which I thought was cool. And I really cherry-picked those three movies because people told me that they were the, the least comic booky of all of the... The least comic book film-y of all of the uh, Marvel movies, which I think was true. Mm-hmm. You know, Doctor Strange had one of the weirdest villains of all time. And then actually, so did Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah. Uh, those were very unconventional endings that didn't didn't end with a city being destroyed, which is my least favorite part of comic book movies, is their ability to just destroy an entire city and then call the film a day. Like, phew. Yeah, like Doctor Strange literally undid the day yeah. of the city. Yeah, and that was so <laughs> cool. I dug it very much. But I haven't seen Spider-Man. I haven't seen 
well, Black Panther isn't out yet. I haven't seen any of the movies of the Avengers, Thor, Captain America. The latest Thor was really funny. I heard, yeah. But I, I don't know. I've actually had an itch lately to see some of these movies. Like, I heard Spider-Man was pretty good. I'd like to see that. But watching this trailer makes me worried that the same thing that I hate is going to happen in this freaking movie, where this dude that's been trying to get all the stones is going to come to Earth and smash it all up, and then at the last minute they're going to destroy him, and they're all going to be so sad in a world that's broken apart by this guy, but they'll be kind of happy because they won, and then the movie will be over. And that's how every freaking superhero movie ends, and I don't want to watch that. But it seems like they're learning from their mistakes. It seems like they're learning that that has gotten kind of boring. Would you agree with that? So first I just want to say... I'm glad I brought this up to you because I've been so pumped about this movie mm-hmm. and this trailer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is the first time that I've looked in the mirror and said, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to thank you uh-huh. that only you. Only me. That. Yeah, only me will be the downer for this like multi-hundred million dollar infinite money printing machine that everyone loves so much. If anything has a chance to like top Avatar and Titanic, it's like this. Yeah, movie. it is. This is going to be a very big movie. I understand. So, I hear what you say about the like, you know, the the tried tropes and stereotypes and the <laughs> clichés. And I think yes, they are learning from their mistakes because the last 5 films have not followed necessarily typical story beats. Yeah. And now while this one is the one where they all come together and they have the least room to maneuver and finagle characters and they kind of have to go a little bit more tried and true because this is going to be the most mainstream, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, hit. I get that. But I think I have faith in them. Again, they've made 20 films and, you know, I've loved 18, 17 of them, which Mm -hmm. that's a pretty great track record because how long, how many times have we said that it's so impossible to make a good movie you know, yeah. let alone a great movie. Right. So to make 18, 17 that I love out of the 20, that's pretty crazy. So I trust them. I have faith, especially seeing stuff like Justice League recently, which was pretty bad. And I, I can rant on that for hours and hours. But I think I think Kevin Feige and Marvel and the, the studio Disney, I think they're going to manage it well enough and I don't think it's going to go the similar, like, the city is destroyed. I, I think people hate that enough. They're done with that. I think so, too. Something will be destroyed, but I think it's going to be, I don't know. I think this uh, villain is, like, the most intellectual, the most, uh, he's not just going to throw an army of, like, robots, you know, army of zombies, you know, fill in the blank, army of whatever that's disposable. So, I don't know. I'm I'm more optimistic than you are, but... You bring up valid points. <laughs> yeah. So so let's do a little history of the Marvel movies. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for all the different movies and their different phases. And we had Iron Man. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yep, real good. Really loved, really loved that movie. And I mean, seriously, you know, that's like a good movie that I've been wanting to rewatch recently. That's 10 years old at this point, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it really set the bar like high for... A movie that was so different from what other comic book movies were in the sense that it had like a heart and a really interesting protagonist and it it did away with a lot of the, the stuff that's annoying in comic books of I cannot have my true love because I must do this thing and my identity must remain secret and, you know, I must be the most noble person in the world and 
Tony Stark is is none of that stuff, which is why that was such an interesting way to introduce the Marvel Universe, right? And then Incredible Hulk, we can skip that one because that is kind of, it's hard to even think of that in the same universe in a weird way, right? Yeah, it is for like story-wise, but you know, quality-wise, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's one that stinks. Yeah, and then Iron Man 2, eh. was that the one with... Whiplash was the villain, but the actor's name is... Uh... Mickey Rourke. And that movie was fine, but it wasn't that great, in my opinion. Mediocre. Yeah, and then Thor, same. Like, fine. I liked that one. I liked it's that okay. one. I mean, my my dude, maybe maybe try watching that one again and <laughs> seeing if you actually <laughs> like it. And it did the interesting thing of saying, hey, actually, there's like magic, and that's kind of weird. And I like that, that they were able to branch out almost immediately into something more than the kind of normal world of Iron Man and like the explanations of science as yeah. the answer for stuff like The Incredible Hulk. And then Captain America, that movie was really good. I liked that movie a lot. Yeah, that was fun. That was super fun. And then The Avengers, that's the movie that they lost me because cool idea, some good writing, but and I liked all the characters, but as soon as you make the last third of a movie people punching each other, I just glaze over. It just isn't interesting to me. And this is the problem, right? It's like, as soon as we learned, oh, hey, we have this CGI where we can do anything and we can destroy a whole city immediately and it'll look really dope. We just started relying on that for every action movie. And it just is so, so boring. So I'll say, I'll say this. Uh-huh. Avengers specifically, when it comes to the third act, mm-hmm. a lot of those scenes of them fighting and like, you know, just punching things mm-hmm. was fan service. Being a huge comic uh, sweaty nerd, mm-hmm. um, like the scene where Iron Man is shooting like a beam and he reflects it off of Iron, uh, Captain America's shield, that is what my childhood was made of. Mm-hmm. So that whole like last sequence was purely for fans. Mm. And I apologize to the regular viewers that were like, this is boring and repetitive. And then with Avengers 2... Age of Ultron. They did the same, but... And I'm fast-forwarding in our thing, but... Then in Captain America Civil War, they immediately addressed that, and that was like the main story point. Do they? The government was like, you can't be blowing up islands and cities and towns. Like, no. Mm. And they tried to reform them and put them under um, regulations, and that, and Captain America was like, no, the government is corrupt. And then Iron Man was like, no, we need to be you know under surveillance, and that's where the Civil War came from. Mm. So I'll say that... They addressed your concerns. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that. So we can go back to the timeline. Yeah, so Iron Man 3, didn't see it. It was bad. I didn't like it. Thor Dark World, didn't see it. Super fun. Captain America Winter Soldier, saw it. Liked it. Crazy good. Yeah, that it was kind of like a road movie more than like an action movie, and I always appreciate that. It felt like a, like a Jason Bourne film. Yes, very much so. A bit of a thriller, and that was really cool. There was a few parts that got kind of weird, but overall, like I liked it. Guardians of the Galaxy, again, super cool. And that was really, to me, the first sign of them loosening up on the reins of, like, what makes a Marvel movie a Marvel movie and, like, having fun. Yeah. And, you know, they gave it to James Gunn. Yeah. Who was not necessarily the person that you would consider to direct a major, major movie like that. But looking back, he was perfect. And he's, yeah, he was the perfect person. And that's the thing is that movie could have been super boring, but it wasn't. And I love the fact that it wasn't. So, yeah, that was the first sign of life to me, of how things were. But then Age of Ultron, and that was, again, lost me. 
I was super excited too because I love the dude who plays the villain, James Spader. He's yeah. just such a crazy character actor, and I was like hyped to have him as the villain. But he's crazy. This is the problem with superhero movies: is the villains don't get the screen time that they deserve to be full characters. And he got like a couple of funny lines and interesting things to say. But really, at the end of the day, these amazing actors who get cast in these roles don't get to like stretch their arms and actually do something unique with it. I feel like I didn't see the movie, but that must have been what happened in X-Men Apocalypse. Is that the name of the movie? Yeah, yeah. Because that was Oscar Isaac as the villain, and he's freaking incredible. But That one that one I would chalk up to So in uh, Age of Ultron, yes, James Spader was maybe uh, underserved. Wasted a bit, yeah. But I think they do that because they know they don't give the villain a ton of screen time, so they want the little time that he had they have to be valuable. Mm-hmm. Whereas X-Men Apocalypse, that, I don't think you can judge the villain versus heroes. That movie was a mess all over and had a ton of problems pace-wise, story-wise. Um, so he was like the least mm-hmm. of their issues, in my opinion. I don't think it was so egregious that he was uh, wasted. And then Ant-Man. Did you like that? Loved it. Super fun. Ant-Man's cool. I feel like it could have been better. I think it had a troubled like development. But I loved everything that it tried to do. I love Paul Rudd as a different kind of superhero. See, that's, I think, why I liked it. Because it went through a couple directors. Because it got rewritten a bunch. Because it had the problems. And it was still that enjoyable. Blew my mind. That I was like, wow, that's pretty cool that you guys stumbled across the finish line. Yeah, and I, yeah, that's true. And I feel like Guardians of the Galaxy, both the first and the second film, and Ant-Man are directly kind of thumbing their nose at the big action set pieces. Oh, absolutely. That I don't like, you know, I, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 starts out with a massive fight that you don't watch at all. You just watch Groot dancing around. <laughs> yeah. And the fight's happening in the background. And Ant-Man... Like the penultimate scene, the major battle takes place on a toy train and they keep zooming out to what it looks like in real normal life, you know? Yeah. And like the train like knocks over and it's like this big, massive, dramatic thing, but it's not not big at all. It's just a little toy falling off a shelf or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I love that, you know? So I basically I gave up. I think what happened now that I'm looking at these movies is I gave up on Avengers, but I remained hopeful for Marvel characters that I liked. So when Captain America Civil War came out, I just didn't watch it because I didn't like the Avengers movies. And I I kind of feel like that's an Avengers movie, isn't it? It's not called Avengers. It's called Captain America, but it has the Avengers in it. Captain America is very clearly the main character. Uh But yeah, it it does have a lot of side characters in it. So now I want to watch that because... As we're looking through these, you know, the film started turning around for me at the same time that Captain America came out, and so I'd like to see that. And then Doctor Strange, great. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, great. Spider-Man Homecoming, I heard is great. I didn't see it. But yeah, it very much like an 80s, you know, uh, comedy, teen comedy, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. You know, it's it was really enjoyable. And Tom Holland, the... The kid who played Spider-Man was really, like, funny. And then um, Thor Ragnarok, which I heard is amazing. Like, I really want to see it. I just haven't had a chance to go to a theater. That was so much so much sillier yeah. than I thought it was going to be. Which is, which is what it should be for magical beings from days old, right? Like, that's a discordant yeah, yeah. character that should be played for laughs in a lot of weird ways. Yeah. And it seems like they did that. They're, like, starting to understand to th- the rhythm of these characters, which is awesome. And I love that. 
And it seems like, yeah, they really learned lessons along the way where we can see something like DC and their universe. They're like learning nothing <laughs> yeah. every movie that comes out. They're just doubling down on the mistakes they made in the last time. So, But they're actually, they um, because Justice League performed so poorly. It's time for a change. They're reshuffling. Yeah, they're changing it all up come January. Yeah, which is good. So maybe we'll end up seeing something kind of like phase three of Marvel from the next uh, next DC movies. But Yeah, maybe. And then we have Black Panther and then the Avengers and Which, a few different things coming out. Yeah. So I'm I'm definitely going to see Black Panther and I'd like to see Infinity War if you're telling me that <laughs> All right. What's what's let's put an over under on it. What what's the over under? What's the percentage chance that they're going to blow up a whole city in Infinity War? <sighs> <laughs> the optimist <laughs> The optimist uh, says it's 50/50. Okay. The realist says it's 75% chance that they blow up a city. Yeah, that's what I that's what I'm going to say. Now, I get it. I get it. Here here's what here's where I say I understand what they're trying to do, which I think is good because they've never done this before. Is I've heard there's like a high likelihood that like characters are going to die in this movie. Is that is that true? Do you think that's going to happen? I would put a 90% chance that at least one major and two, you know, minor die. In in a lot of ways that can always be played as kind of like a dumb thing, but I think that's almost necessary at this time in the Marvel universe well, of actors contracts are up, so it's like Well, but but not only that. I mean, that's the, that that's what I'm saying is that that would feel kind of dumb, right? Of like, oh, we had to kill this character off because we can't hire him again. But I mean, there's this has been ten years of seeing these characters evolve and ten years of seeing them put in like the craziest high stakes things over and over and over again. So you have to sell the story with some weight. You can't just if every movie you walk into knowing that everyone's gonna walk out without a problem, but you're saying their greatest challenge yet, you know, the Avengers meet the the real deal, the guy who's finally gonna take them down, and then no one dies. I mean, why? You're like, you have to give some weight to the story, right? And I, I heard I heard the idea that there's kind of a nice thing that's been happening recently where Iron Man has been sort of made into like a reluctant mentor for Spider Man. Yeah. And that that would maybe make sense to kill him off and have Peter Parker take the helm of leading a team or, or something along those lines. I think Robert Downey Jr. isn't going to die uh-huh. because uh, using real world deduction, <laughs> yes. he left and went and filmed The Judge. Uh-huh. Didn't have the best reception box office wise. Uh-huh. Critically, sure, but it didn't make a ton of money. And I think because he's older, I think he was like, shoot, mm-hmm. this is easy. And right after that movie, he re-signed a huge contract with Marvel. Mm-hmm. So I think he likes just showing up, you know, being in a mocap suit and, you know, doing some dialogue and getting going home <laughs> at the proper time to his family because he does have kids. Mm-hmm. So I think, if anything, he's going to stay in the mentor role and pop up in Iron uh, in Spider-Man, pop up in a this, pop up in a that. I think Captain America is the one that's going to die. Well, regardless, what I'm saying is so, I think that it makes sense for if you're going to have a big battle, don't have a big battle where the world is destroyed in a way that's like impossible to undo, like both Avengers movies that I didn't like. But everyone that is on screen manages to make it through alive and, like, basically unscathed. If you're going to have some, like, major catastrophe, some major destruction, then you need to, like, reflect that, the severity of the situation in the the team dynamic. 
So in a weird way, I kind of hope that a character dies, not because I dislike any of them, but just because it would show the gravity of the situation where usually the gravity of the situation is shown through a city being destroyed, which I just don't think is interesting. I don't think that's, that's cool enough. That's, that's intriguing enough. So yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm, I think it's interesting. I mean, it's going to be a weird thing to see all of these people interacting on a screen. And I mean, I can't, do, do is there a budget for how expensive this movie is? It has to be crazy, well, right? It's got to be ridiculous. I mean, I showed you the picture so long ago. Yeah, of all the trailers. Um, of the trip. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like got so many actors and like big heavy duty actors right, yeah. that are that cost a lot of money. So, yeah. Yeah, just for forever. The budget's got to be ridiculous. Yeah. So, I get it. I mean, it's like this is I guess this is the thing is like when Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron came out, I felt like they were trying to capitalize on something that they didn't necessarily deserve. But with this movie, it's like, you've been making this world for 10 years. So bring them all together, have a big thing, make something extremely epic. Like, that's all good. Because you've been, the Infinity Gauntlet thing, I mean, has that been going since Thor? One? Uh, no, I think since uh, Captain America. Are you sure? The Red Skull had like the the Tesseract, that cube, and that was an Infinity Stone. So I, I guess, no, you're right, Thor. Yeah, it was Thor. The, post, the post-credit scene of Thor is the first time that, the, that an Infinity Stone is shown. 2011. So that's a long time to be building up this villain, you know? So I hope that it's cool. And that's the thing, right? It's like, I didn't watch him, but the, the DC movies seem to have really messed with that, haven't they? Yeah. That you build up these huge villains, but then it's not that big of a deal. Like, who was the villain in uh, Justice League? So, yeah, they mishandled that one. They used, like, an emissary. Mm-hmm. His name was Steppenwolf. It wasn't Loki, where it was, like, one of the main hero's brothers. Mm-hmm. So he's not the big bad, but he's still formidable. This was just, like, okay, this weird-looking demon guy. Um, and then they didn't even set up properly for the actual big villain, Darkseid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they just totally mishandled all of it. And it was super underwhelming. There was no stakes. I didn't care at all. You know, like, at least, like, Loki, you felt uh, sympathy for him. Right. He wanted, you know, you saw his plight. That's, like, the best villain that, like, doesn't think they're a villain. That is, you know, chasing after a goal because they think it's the right thing. But, like, in Justice League, they were like, I'm a villain for villain's sake. (laughs) And it was dumb. (sighs) Yeah, I'm not into it. Okay, well, I hope that it's good. I really do. I mean, these are huge movies, right? Like, I want to like them, and I'm really glad that they're doing weird stuff like giving the reins to different uh, movies like Thor Ragnarok to people that wouldn't necessarily get it, just like they did with James Gunn. Yeah. So, yeah. Weird, man. It's weird stuff. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of 20th Century Fox? All that we can think about with this major, <laughs> major, major, like, huge, huge, huge deal is, like, what it means for superhero movies. And that's kind of dumb. I get, I mean, I get it because it is like a thing that's been annoying, right? As like a fan of comic books that these, that these two worlds have been not allowed to cross over. What was the weird thing? Was it that Disney couldn't use the term mutant? Yeah. Because yeah. X-Men owned it. So they had to say something else or something like that. I can't remember. Miracle. They had to say miracle. Oh, good. Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, I would like for that not to be true. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure that Disney is trying to buy this for a larger reason than just to get the X-Men contract back. No, there's so many other reasons. Yeah. Uh, Fox still owns the original rights for the first Star Wars movies. Yeah. So to have those back, that's like crazy merchandising, licensing, and like reprints. 
out the <laughs> out the butt. Yeah. It's, you know, all the Marvel properties and movies that they can, you know, remake. Yeah, there's so many they get the rights to Avatar, which they've been investing in in their parks. Oh, Avatar. I hadn't thought about that. That's yeah. really interesting. Yeah. But James Cameron uh, commented on it, and he was like, honestly, Disney has more invested in this, so I don't think it's going to change my plans or change the films, so I'm fine with it. <laughs> he was saying, like, this could be bad, but it's probably not going to be. No, people were saying it was going to be yeah, bad, yeah, yeah, and yeah. James Cameron was like, no, 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 chill. Yeah. I am above this system <laughs> and this merger. Disney actually you know, has faith in my series. Right. I don't think they're going to cancel it. Yeah. Where I see X-Men movies going, X-Men movies going forward being canceled. I think James Cameron is right. And he's probably outside of that merger, you know, being a film is being affected. Totally. That's, that's very true. I, yeah, I think it's fine. I think it's probably a good idea for Disney to acquire that. They're getting kind of large, kind of scary how big they're getting taking over a little bit of everything. And it is weird because all of these major properties are starting to be under one roof, which hasn't really happened in a long time. No, it's Star Wars. It's Indiana Jones. It's Marvel. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, okay, let's move away from comic books. My brain is my brain is tired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bro, have you seen this? Oh my gosh, I literally had this in my list. Oh yeah? <laughs> That's so awesome. Yes, I. this is one of the things I was going to show you. That's awesome. Talk to me. Okay, so let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. So I I love when they reveal the mascots for the Olympics. Same. I just get so much joy out of it. I don't know why. It's It goes back to our love of like video games that have crazy characters and backstories. It scratches that same itch. Um. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, the Tokyo 2020 Games, and they unveiled three sets of two characters, one for the regular Olympics, one for the Paralympics. And yeah, three sets of uh, potential mascots, and they want fans or people to like, I think kids, All right. to vote on them to see which ones they pick. And uh, yeah, and they're as perfectly Asian as you can think. So <laughs> let's go through the, the list. First they have, do they have their names or no? No, I don't think so. Okay, so you have the first set, and there's a blue one, and then there's a pink one, and they both have like this checker kind of pattern on them. They both have ears. They're they're not quite <laughs> like an animal, a creature of this world, but you know they look kind of like they're pretty cute. They they all look like they would fit pretty well in like a Pokemon game, and they also sort of weirdly remind me of like the kind of eventual evolution of like what Tamagotchi became, just like creature. They don't really have very defined characteristics, but they're very anime-esque. Oh, super anime. Yeah. Super anime. Big eyes and simple features, and yeah, that's that's them. So they got that one, then they got another set that they are like the most Pokemon-esque. Yeah. Where it's like a, a fox-like character, and then like a lion-bear type thing. Yeah. And then the last set is not my favorite, but it's my favorite. Does that make sense? Yeah. They visually are not the most stunning of the group. But I love them because of how, like, deadpan their face, their facial expressions are. <laughs> yes. I feel like that could that could be the funniest. Yeah, where the rest of them are, like, smiling and, and full of happiness. And these excited. two are just kind yeah, of these are, looking straight at you. It's, it's like an a, a Asian cat. Like, you know, those, like, lucky cats mm-hmm. that are in, like, uh, Chinese restaurants. And they have, like, one hand on their belly and one hand up. So one looks like that kind of cat. And then the other one looks like a red panda. Yeah. And these are all good, man. I love them. I love them. Yeah. Mm. Which which ones are your favorite? I think I like the bear one, the the ones on the right, uh, the most the, the last ones you described because they're they're the most like visually distinctive for 
what Tokyo is kind of representing. But yeah, they're just, they're all cool. And I, I love seeing these. You know, we talked about this a while ago. Uh, I jokingly said that Izzy was my favorite mascot of all time. <laughs> he was the really bad uh, Olympic mascot for Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's always weird to see where Olympics go because this is, it's just a weird part of the Olympics as a whole, isn't it? That they have to design mascots and create branding around it every time. It doesn't stay the same. It always changes. And even their, um, they really heavily reflect the, the logo for the 2020 Olympics. Yeah. In each of these, like they're literally like plastered on the characters, either on like a hat or, or their stomach or, or their stomach yeah. or something weird like that. And, and it's kind of, that's kind of discordant because the, the logo is super complex and these characters are super simplified, but yeah, it just, it's neat to see them have to rethink everything every single time that they come up with it. Yeah. I just, I like these a lot. I wanted to see if you, you dug them or not. <laughs> I, I really do like them. I probably, I like them all. This is probably the the one year that I liked all the options. Usually there's like a clear leader yeah. and I'm like, oh, pl- please go with this one. These are garbage. But this one, they all kind of have fun elements. So the, the, the first set, they're very Digimon-esque. Digimon, yes. You're so correct. A hundred percent you're right, yes. <laughs> so it's Digimon, the Pokemon, and then the right ones, that's like, I would say, closest to like meme culture. Did you see the eyes for the middle one too? They're like full of color. Yeah. Which I think is cool because to me, the middle ones are the most like boring generic. Um, but then they have this really weird element of instead of just giving them the normal kind of anime eye or in the the case of the cat and panda, like very simplified eyes, they have these weird ranges of color in the eyeball itself. And I don't know, it just, it makes them look very unique. I don't really know what it's trying to accomplish except like show the olympic <laughs> colors i guess they have gobo lights in their eyes yeah but it looks yeah it kind of looks like they're staring right into a gobo and they forgot to edit it out <laughs> i mean this is definitely my favorite part of the olympics is looking at all of the different mascots and the different logos over the time and and seeing how design language evolves because that's kind of what you're seeing right is like an evolution of design language as time goes on have we ever talked about the super bowl logos we have not. Oh my gosh. Okay. Have you ever looked at those? Not not, not intently. I'm going to show you this page. And um, as of last episode, we will add all of these images as well as we can to the actual album art for the podcast, which is nice since we often describe, you know, there, what better subject for an audio-only format than constantly talking about uh, images. Am I right? <laughs> but yeah. let's... Uh, Take a look at these, because this is what I'm talking about, is, you know, Super Bowl, every year gets a new logo, and every year, that logo looks different. And to me, this is such a perfect example of how design language evolves over time. Take a a look at this. Oh, wow. (laughs) 1967 was great. What do we got in 1967? Super Bowl II. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, it looks, but it looks super 60s, doesn't it? Yeah. Simple, understated, kind of a crazy font. And then, I mean, the same for three, switched it up even more, but it's just got a very 60s vibe to it. And then as you kind of continue forward, I mean, you know when you hit the 90s, don't you? Like, Oh, dude, the, yeah. Oh, this is crazy. The 76, 77 are nuts. Oh, gosh. Some of these are really bad. Yeah, you know you hit the 80s. The, the 70s look very 70s. Like, it looks like that would be, a, that fits right alongside, like, what I think of when I think of 70s design for, like, workouts and different things like that. Yeah. And then 80s kind of feel the same way to me. And then, I mean, but, like, what I'm, I, I just think the 90s are so visually 90s in a way 
that is so different from the the eras before it. Very colorful, very bold, very big, you know, where everything else way before had been understated. <laughs> yeah, way too crazy. I remember the 1997 and 1998 logos very well because of the Denver Broncos. Oh, and then 1999, that is literally... <laughs> such a great embodiment of 1999 and Y2K. Yes. And man, that is, for me, that's the one that's like the most, oh, yeah. I recognize that I didn't even need to see the year. I know that's like right at 2000. Exactly. And then now they're getting really minimal and similar, which is super weird to see, isn't it? Yeah. At 2006, they like toned it down. 2007's weird. 2008, I actually like. Yeah, 2008's actually one of my favorite. 2009, I think it's decent. Mm-hmm. 2010, I'm not in love with, because then they keep going with this similar format. Yeah, so in 2010, they decided to turn it into... In 2008, which you which you said you loved, it's really cool. It's very minimal. They used the concept of a football field really well. It's like a few pieces of the field itself with the numbers in Roman numerals and Super Bowl above it in really minimal font. It all has this kind of angular look, which gives it a sense of depth. Yeah, And then these two really beautiful stars on each side of them that just gives it a design element that helps it feel iconic and big um, without overdoing the design. And then in 2010, they switched to a very three-dimensional design where it's prominently featuring the, uh, the, the trophy that you win. And it's just very large and very 3D, and it doesn't change. It just has continued now for seven years of a similar logo. It's the stadium. That's the thing that changes. They put a different stadium behind it. But then they stopped in uh, 2016. Yeah, and now now it's just, I like the, dislike this one the most. Yeah, it's not very good. You know what my favorite one is, which is so weird, is the uh, 1986 one? 1986, scroll back. Ew. No, man, it's so cool. <laughs> I passed that one and was like, ugh, that's gross. Let's not talk about that one. <laughs> it's it's uh, the Rose Bowl, and it's got this crazy, angular, very 80s to me, rose, and a very 80s uh, font. But I don't know. There's something about it. It just really stands out, and I think it looks pleasing compared to what I would just consider very like professional, business-like logos <laughs> that surround it. It just it stood out to me, but I, I can tell you're not a fan. So Nope, not at all. Wow. 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 